Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Penguins are a different team than they were a week ago, but are they better? Matt Benzel from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will be our guest to discuss. What other teams are active at the NHL trade deadline? Who are the winners and losers? We will weigh in. Officiating is one of the most difficult and thankless jobs in sports. What's working, what's not, what can we do better? We'll evaluate and discuss. I'm Dave Glass. I'm Bob Anderson. And I'm Dave Herzen. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go Under Review on Connect FM, your only local news radio. It's Wednesday night, which means we are back live talking sports with you. We are glad to be at full strength again here with uh, Dave Glass back in the saddle across from me. And of course, Dave Herzing over there too. Uh, Speaking of being busy though, Ron Hextall was busy last week, guys. He tried to reshape the Penguins roster. Brock McGinn is out. Teddy Bluger is out. Kasperi Kapanen are out. And we have Michael Granlin, Nick Benino, and Dmitry Kulikov in Hextall said, I think we made our team better. I think there are a lot of teams capable of winning the Stanley Cup, and we are one. Do you agree? No, I don't agree. Um, Did they make themselves better? I don't think they made themselves any worse, but they made themselves older, and I don't really understand that. I think he did an interesting job of clearing cap space, which is a problem he made himself with some of those deals, and then he wasted it all on Granlund. And Granlund is just a guy. I mean, I don't see, you know, the, the advanced statistics don't show him to be any kind of a play driver. You know, he's, he doesn't even have 10 goals. He's got a big cap hit. I just don't really understand that move at all. And I, I don't think it made them appreciably better. You know, watching the game last night, the moves that Hextall made, I think are going to be irrelevant if Jari continues to play the way that he's played. Um, I actually shut it off, guys. I was saying before we got on the air, uh, my dad was actually the one that kind of wrote me back in. He sent me a text and said, hey, you need to turn the Penguins back mm-hmm. on. They tied it up. Uh, those, some, a couple of those goals he let in, you know, it's just inexcusable. He needs to play a lot better. He's asking for big money in the offseason. I think the Penguins would be crazy to sign him. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a tremendous risk if they go that route. Um, but I wanted to get back to what Dave said. They got older, right? So I don't know what tape Ron Hextall is wa- watching. I think I think the problem is he's watching tape from three or four years ago because he keeps bringing in all these older older players. I just cannot think for the life of me how he thinks that Michael Granlund is the answer to their problems. He's 31. He's a declining player. Yeah, he scored some points in the league, but you know I don't see that he's going to bring what they need on that third or fourth line to make them a better team. No, I don't either. And, and in fairness, you know, he wasn't in there last night. Um, you know, he was he was under the weather. And they were missing Rust, who, congratulations to Brian Rust. He had a baby today. I don't know yes, if you I saw, saw that. that. So uh, very happy for him. So they were a little shorthanded. But, you know, they were playing the absolute worst team in the league. And they came out and were getting the snot kicked out of them in the first period. It wasn't even close. And now, credit, the third period, they came out and they, they were a house of fire and they did some great things. But... You know, the one thing I did want to point out, if I, if I could, Bob, is, and I wrote this down during the game, Evgeny Malkin has become the good, the bad, and the ugly, as far as I'm concerned. You saw the good with a couple of the plays he made in the third period. Um, 
the bad is his skating isn't what it was, and the ugly is he, on a two, at least two of those goals, he didn't back check at all. One of right. them, he was right there, and he just stood and watched it. And I know you, as somebody who studies that in hockey like I do, probably noticed that right away, that that goal was as much on him as it was on Jari. Absolutely. So it's easy to blame Jari, and I agree he wasn't sharp last night, but that team was playing lazy in the oh, first period. So bad. A couple of players weren't back checking and you know, it was just kind of contagious. Now, was that partially because they're coming back from a road trip too? You know, you get kind of the, the lull there when you come you back. You don't have the luxury of that when right. your team on the eighth spot scraping for a playoff spot and you're playing the worst team in the league. You cannot afford that. It shows their inconsistencies oh. from not just game to game, but from within the game itself, from period to period. I, I felt, and I, I don't, I feel like we need to get D in here. Oh no, I, that's okay. <laughs> I felt like that game was a microcosm of their entire season. You didn't know what you were going to get from one minute to the next last night. And at the end of the game, I wrote down, this is their season in a nutshell. Yeah, it's, it's when I shut that off last night, I said to myself, you know, I should probably watch this game because I know the show is going to be tomorrow night. And then I realized why I shut it off. Because this team is, to Dave's point, it, it's a microcosm of what we've watched the entire year. They're very hard to put a finger on. From week to week, from game to game, you hear different things from Sullivan. You know, we got to play our way. Malkin says the same tired things he says over and over. They have all this experience. You would think they would understand in a game against Columbus, who is a terrible hockey team, they should smoke them. And to come out and play like that against the worst team in their division on home ice on home ice. And this is a big homestand for them. They have to have these points. So, you know, when you look at Hextall's body of work here, guys, I'm not impressed. I'm, I'm sorry to say I'm in the fire Hextall <laughs> camp here. Um, he basically spent this trade deadline trying to fix the errors of the past that he made. And I was thinking, and I think you brought this up uh, in one episode, Dave glass about, their third line right now could be Jared McCann, Brandon Tanev, and Evan Rodriguez. And instead, we have Jeff Carter, Michael Granlund, who are probably, the both of them are making more than those three guys combined. So it's just super frustrating. Then they let Jacob Chikrin get, get away. Um, be, mainly because of cap problems. And I didn't really want them to get Chikrin, but you know, I felt like he was making all these moves to clear cap space. And I think it was for Chikrin, and he was just too, too late, you know, too little too late and then he had to kind of I think Granlin was sort of a panic move almost and that was the complaint with him in Philly he was just too slow to react you know too patient but let's let's uh branch out here and talk a little bit about the wider NHL here uh and who were the winners and losers of this uh trade deadline we'll start with you D who do you think were some of the winners and losers uh the Bruins plain and simple they're ready they're ready for a cup run um I don't see anybody in the east beating them again You'll watch them and you just, it looks, they look like a team that could beat any team at any time. They match up against any team. They, they're from top to bottom. There's no team in hockey like them and they just got stronger. Okay. Well, may I uh, have a retort there? I, they looked that way before the trade deadline. Yeah. And so they've spent a whole bunch of assets to go from a team that's going to get 120 points to a team that's going to get 124 points. I, I don't, I don't really understand that. I don't understand expending that many assets when they're at the point now, guys, they could lose every single game from here on out and they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they haven't officially done that, but they're already at 100 points. So 
they're in. I guess what it comes down to for me, and I had them down as a winner too, D, it comes down to depth. And that's what wins in the playoffs. You know, the Bruins are on a historic pace right now when you look at their points in the standings. What does it hurt to go a little bit further in? Now, you don't want to hurt the chemistry. And what I was going to say about that is 2013 Penguins. Right. We're a strong team, and you you fiddle around, and you you make those moves late in the season, and it doesn't work out. Jerome McGinley, everybody's like, oh, they won the trade deadline. Look, they got Jerome McGinley. And he was a horrible fit. And I look at what they paid for Dmitry Orlov, and I'm like, okay, he's a nice defenseman. I'm not going to say he's not, but... Man, they paid a king's ransom for a guy who, do you really need that? I mean, I don't know if they really need that. True. I think that uh, the Rangers are kind of that team right now. They they don't look like they're having a very good time, even with Patrick Kane in the lineup. They kind of look like the Penguins from 2013. Kane just doesn't seem to be fitting in yet. Yeah, it's it's amazing. When they got him, I thought to myself, oh, wow, they're, they're really going to position themselves for a nice – he hasn't shown me much of anything. When you watch him, he and I don't know why, because you think a guy like that, you know, he'd want to make another run for a cup. And, and the Rangers are a nice team, but again, you look at you look at top to bottom in the East. Other than Carolina and Boston, who do you honestly think is going to make a run? I mean, really, if you ask yourself, look at the teams. There's nobody really that would frighten. I mean, if the Penguins match up against any of those other teams, is it as inconsistent as they are? I'd put them up against most of those teams. The Devils. I, I think the Devils are a young, hungry team that I wouldn't want any part of in the playoffs. But, I mean, look, you're right. I mean, you, Boston will be majorly favored against anybody, and Carolina will be somewhat favored against anybody. But I actually have the, the – Carolina is one of the losers of the deadline, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. That's a team that's got the depth thing down, and they don't have that one guy. You know, New Jersey had some of those guys and still went out and got Meyer. That's the guy I think Carolina should have gone, gone in on. Their, their window is now. I mean, they're, they're in their prime. They're going to start to have cap problems pretty soon. And they, every time they play, they're, they're fast, and they play really good Rod Brindamore defense, but it's always a 2-1 game. And they're one you know, broken play away, it seems like, every single time I watch them from losing the game. And that, they're going to compete in the playoffs, but do you really trust them to win in a 3-3 you know, series to go out there and put four on the board? I don't. Right. One of my winners was actually the Washington Capitals. And they traded, they were sellers. They traded some veterans. They acquired some younger players. They got Rasmus Sindin. They got some draft picks. But to me, the Capitals look a lot like the Penguins. And instead of pretending that they're contenders, they realized, hey, we're not going to have it this year. Let's retool. We still got Ovi. Let's try to give them a couple of years beyond this. You, you, boy, you, you took everything I wrote down. I'll just say that they are what the Penguins should have been, and they're they're going to pull off at least the chance to have a rebuild on the fly and give Ovi another crack at this in a, a year or two. And you know they 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 got in early when prices were still high, and they sold, and it was really good. You have to wonder how much input eighty-seven and seventy-one and fifty-eight had. I mean, obviously. Crosby's presence there is, is immeasurable, but you think maybe he had a bug in Hextall's ear saying, look, you know, you need to go after some of these guys. The moves they made, when you look at the winners and losers list of the trade deadline, the Penguins were at or near the bottom for almost every single list. And that's so disheartening because when Rutherford was there, they that, that team rarely made a mistake. And, and when they did, they fixed it quickly. 
we could we could talk about that. We we need we need to take this in the next week and <laughs> talk more about it. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're, our guest on the line will be Matt Vensel here after the uh, after the break. He covers the Penguins for the Post Gazette. Stay with us with us here on Under Review. The floodgates have opened at Gary and Sons figuratively. Gary and Sons wanted inventory and overordered, and now is overstocked. That's bad. No, that's good, because now is the time to get a new heating and AC system, and a ductless system with air conditioning for summer, and a heat pump to save on heating bills. That's good. Even better, Lennox and Mitsubishi brands are $550 off. Call Gary and Sons of Falls Creek online at garysinc.com. That's garysinc.com. Terms and conditions apply. PA4673. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-631-8191. 800-631-8191. That's 800-631-8191. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Lows level off around 22. Tonight, under overcast skies, northwesterly winds, 8 to 15 miles per hour. Mainly sunny skies and calm. Tomorrow, highs level off around 44. Cloudy skies expected. Tomorrow night, lows level off around 25. 1 to 3 inches of snow, Friday through Friday night. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 42. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. All right, we're going to continue our Penguins talk here. We are pleased to be joined right now by Matt Vensel, who covers the Penguins for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. It's great to have you on the line. We were talking before you came on about Ron Hextall's busy trade deadline. Michael Granlin was the most expensive acquisition. Uh, what do the new guys bring to the team in your estimation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the cost for Michael Granlin was was pretty high given where he is at this stage in his per- career. But I do think that he should bring an upgrade to the bottom six. I mean, he's a playmaker, uh, very much a pass-first guy that's reflected in his box score stats. Um, He's a clever playmaker. Um, So I think that's very much needed given what they were getting from the bottom two lines. Um, So far, we've seen him play in the right wing on the third line. I think in the next game tomorrow night, we'll probably see him play center and see how that goes. But, um, you know, again, they gave up a lot to get him. We can can quibble about whether that was worth it in the long term, but uh, I think it's safe to say in the short term, he should help them out. And then Benino... Um, you know, I think fans are pretty well familiar with who he is as a player. He plays the same style of game, maybe, you know, 80% of the player he was in those cup years five years ago. But, you know, as far as a potential replacement for Teddy, 
Teddy Bluger, I think he's a suitable replacement. And then there's Dmitry Kulikov, uh, Kulikov, I should say, um, veteran defenseman. He's going to duke it out with P.O. Joseph to see who plays on the left side of the third pair. Yeah, so Kulikov got the uh, start last night. Do you think that that's going to be a trend, or do you see them maybe shuffling back and forth, or depending on who they're playing, maybe put one in the lineup over the other? Yeah, I think it's going to come down to performance. I mean, it is telling that they put Kulikov right in there. Now, last night they played 7-D because they were short a forward because Brian Rust had a baby and Granlin was sick. But I think the way it was trending was that Kulikov was going to play over P.O. Joseph regardless. P.O. only played about six minutes last night. So I do think it's significant that they brought him in and he immediately started playing over P.O. I think it's been pretty good. I mean, he's he's you know a little inconsistent and not the, not the most physical or strong player, but um, I did think that was interesting that they played him right away. So I, I do think that'll come down to performance. They did need depth in part because Ty Smith, they're, I don't know if you consider him a prospect, um, but he's down in the minor, minor leagues. He's only 22. He suffered a facial fracture. Um, so that cost him a left-handed defenseman. So that played into as well, just not having enough depth they felt they were comfortable with on the left side of their blue line. Well, Matt, uh, this is Dave Glass. I, I, what do you think the plan is? You know, you talk about, you know, Kulikov coming in and, and they're going to potentially play him over Joseph. And it just seems like when I look, think back to 2016 and 17, they had that influx of youth that really helped them. And this time around, they're actually taking what little youth they have potentially out of the lineup and just getting older, older, older. I mean, do you see a plan here? Well, they clearly are putting priority, uh, putting a premium on, on experience and, and Stanley Cup experience. Um, I, I, I don't think that would be the strategy that I would have gone with if I was running the team. Um, I think I looked at this earlier. I mean, I think they might have 18 players who are in their 30s, and all three guys they picked up are in their 30s. Someone That's just said amazing. That, yeah, a, a reader told me that it, they read somewhere else that it's like one of the oldest teams in NHL history. I, I don't know. I don't know how um, somebody confirmed that, but uh, it didn't totally surprise me. So, yeah, they have a lot of 30-somethings. Uh, and I hear you. I mean, you, you, especially when you look at the team's lack of urgency, um, you know, we saw it again last night and they came back and beat Columbus. But, you know, I, I would have been looking to go in the other direction. I would have think that this team needs some young players who are younger and hungry to step in and play. Now, we'll see if they can flip the switch in the playoffs. I'm sure that's what the Penguins are banking on. That's what happened last year. I mean, they, they sputtered into the playoffs and then suddenly they were dominant in the first four games of that Rangers series. So we'll see if they're able to do it again. But, yeah, I would have went in the other direction. I mean, experience is good. Um, guys who've won the Cup is good. But I, I think most people who's been watching this team all year would think this team needs, you know, younger legs and more guys who bring juice like Jason Zucker. Not that he's a young guy, but guys like him who, who, who bring, like, palpable energy to the team. And some of the 30-somethings just aren't doing that. Well, and to, to follow up a little bit on that, and I did read your Q&A today, so I know what you're going to say, but do you see Ron Hextall surviving this without some kind of a miracle deep run? I think it all depends on, on like, the context of, of which they exit the playoffs. I mean, if they miss the playoffs, I think he's gone. I, I think the team will need to make some, some major changes at that point. Um, you know, if they go, if they lose in the first round of the playoffs to Boston, but are incredibly competitive and just get beat by a better team, you know, I think that's different than them just completely flaming out like they did, um, you know, against the Islanders in previous seasons, for example. So, I mean, I think context is key, but, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Ron Hextall, um, you know, is, is his job is, is kind of hanging in the balance here. And, 
you know, I, I know some people want to change midseason or they want to actually be fired before the trade deadline. You know, Fenway Sports Group committed to him. They committed to this core with all that money they threw out there. And, you know, you can obviously say that Hextall has done a poor job building the, the sporting cast. I mean, all the moves he'd made in the last two weeks is an acknowledgement of that. But, you know, I think Fenway Sports Group is just going to watch the rest of the season play out. They let him trade for Granlin and do this other stuff. Um, but, yeah, very much, uh, you know, I, I think if this team has another uninspiring exit, um, we could be see, seeing changes here again in Pittsburgh. Hey, Matt, how you doing? It's Dave Herzing. Uh, just wanted to ask your thoughts on Jari. What do you do with him? You know, watching Jari, he's been a very frustrating goaltender. Um, injury prone. There's rumors of a hip injury. Uh, a lot of undisclosed stuff. What are your thoughts on that? What do you think they should do with him in the offseason? Yeah, that's another thing that's going to be determined here in the next, like, one to three months. I mean, looking at his regular season body of work over the last, we'll say, three years, um, you know, he's somewhere, I think, in that, like, number 12, the number 16 range among NHL goalies. I mean, he has two all-star appearances. Um, you know, he, he's put together some pretty good stretches. He's had some other stretches where he's just kind of average. But, you know, for him, it's going to come down to, to you know, being reliable when it matters most. And we just have not seen that yet. Uh, two years ago, he had that meltdown against the Islanders. Last year, it was injury, um, you know, a fluky deal with a foot. It was out of his control, but still he wasn't reliable. So um, if the Penguins are going to commit to him long-term or at least at a, at a you know a salary figure that would make him happy, um, it's going to come down to him delivering when they need him to. And, and that's just the total unknown. And, and, you know, that's the biggest X factor for this team, especially now that the trade deadline has passed. Like if this team is going to pull together and somehow go on a deep run, He's going to need to be a big part of it. He's going to need to be a stabilizing presence. And he really hasn't in this calendar year in large part due to injuries. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big question mark, but uh, it could go either way. I mean, his play in the next month, the three months, could determine whether he's elsewhere or he could make himself a lot of money here. Yeah, if if they don't bring him back, who would you like to see uh, Penn's fans have as their new scapegoat? (laughs) Well, if Hextall's gone and Jari's gone, will Jeff Carter be there? I, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of popular scapegoats. But yeah, I mean it's uh, you know, and you do make a point though. I mean, if they they were to move on with Jari, it's like, what's the alternative? I mean, there's only so many goalies out there in the open market, and you know maybe they have to pay to acquire somebody via trade. But it also like that's part of their calculus as well. Is like okay, like if we let this guy walk, are we are we sure we're going to do any better? Because um, it's not like they have any young players knocking on the door. I mean, they have a few interesting goalies. That's one area in their prospect pool where they have some depth. But none of those guys is a year away. And some of them, might, you know, most of them might not even be three years away. And to your point, and I just want to interject, I looked at the free agent pool for goalies, and Jari looks to me to be far and away the best one. So uh, that if, if they don't trade, they're going to have a hard time upgrading the position. Yeah, and you never know. I mean, teams do pretty well, like, or I shouldn't say teams do really well, but they can do well if they pinpoint backups who would thrive into larger roles. Like Billy Huso from Detroit is one guy who comes to mind. I mean, he was a backup, took him a while to get there in St. Louis, had a pretty good year last year. They did well to target him, and he's doing well in that role. But, um, you know, how many of those guys pan out? One out of three, one out of five. So, yeah, it's very difficult to find a goalie. Um, Penguins fans have been pretty lucky over the years. If you look at um, – you know, from, from Barrasso to Reggett to Flurry to Murray, um, you know, even Jari with two All-Stars. So um, as far as franchises go, they do have a pretty good track record and goal over the last three decades. 
Matt Venzel from the Post-Gazette is our guest right now. Matt, we were talking before um, about the winners and losers of the trade deadline. So we're curious as to who would you choose maybe as a winner and one team to be a loser in this trade deadline season? Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams out east loaded up. I mean, I can't help but look at Boston. Um, You know, they were already having one of the greatest regular seasons of all time, and they were able to add – um, Orlov from Washington to their blue line and Bertuzzi from Detroit, who's just a real nasty kind of middle six board. I mean, that's a guy I thought the Penguins should go after. I, I don't know if that's something they really considered, but I know they had some injuries, which allowed the, them to make it work financially. But I mean, that was just the rich getting richer. Um, you know, I, I think New York, they, they made the headlines with uh, Tarasenko and Kane. We'll see if they can integrate those guys, um, but they're going to be uh, another tough team as well. You know, in terms of losers, uh, I mean, I don't know if the Penguins are losers, uh, but I certainly wouldn't put them, you know, among the winners on that list because, you know, they, they obviously made some moves. Uh, they had a net loss of three draft picks to try to improve the team. I, I just don't know if what they did kind of moved the needle, and if that's the case, was it really worth making that investment? Well, we're, we just have a couple more minutes. I'm going to change gears a little bit on you. I, I used to be a season ticket holder, and I haven't been down there much this year, but I've been hearing from other season ticket holders that the, the, the construction and the traffic around the arena is horrible. Is, this, is it as bad as I'm hearing? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's really bad. I mean, they're, they're, it looks like they're doing some really cool things, um, you know, with the, uh, the development they're doing. They're building right on the site where the Civic Arena used to be. Um, and I think it's much needed. I mean, it, I know fans who've gone to a game, especially if they're they're making a trip from Central PA to come to a game. There's not that much around the rink to go to after the game. I mean, even if I you know write my story, I want to grab a beer. Um, you know, there's not many options. So in the long term, I think it's going to be good that they're building it up. But in the short term, yeah, it's a big, just logistical headache over there. And you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about attendance figures, and you know, the Penguins have not been able to kind of get back to that sellout streak that they had pre-pandemic. And I think there's a few factors for it, but I do think it's construction. I mean, if you're going to shell out all that money um, to have to to leave earlier and get caught in a big traffic snarl, I just think it adds to the list that people are finding to to stay home and just watch the game on TV. Uh, who do you think, Matt, is their biggest threat below them in the standings? Who do you think could catch them potentially? Well, I thought it was Florida for a while, um, but they just haven't really been able to make that surge. Um, they did pick up a big get win against them Saturday. That's still a team I think should be watched, but I, I would have to say Buffalo, unless we can count the Islanders as well. I mean, you know, I, I think every time we look at the, or at least I look at the standings, it's like, I probably check in every few days and it's like some team just completely falls off the map. You know, that was Washington. That's been Detroit. They were threatening, you know, Ottawa has come out of nowhere. It seems like none of these teams though could kind of put together a prolonged stretch. So it's kind of middling as the Penguins have been since Christmas. Like no other team is really threatening to, to overtake them. So, you know, if, if I had to, to guess today, I still think the two teams that are in those wild card spots, you know, New York Islanders and the Penguins would get in. And if I had to pick a team that's going to threaten them, I'd probably say Buffalo at this point, as much as it, it pains me to move on from my, my bad prediction about Florida. But I think Buffalo is probably the team at this point that has the best chance to, to, to knock one of those teams out of the playoff position. Hey, Matt, it was great chatting with you. We appreciate it, and we'll uh, hope to catch up with you again soon. 
You got it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank All you. right. Thank you for uh, joining us here. Stay on the line. We're going to be uh, listening to the local sports beat, and then we'll be back with more under review sports talk radio here on Connect FM. Shankles Pharmacy, caring for you is what we do. Caring for each and every customer and their needs is the foundation of what Shankles Pharmacy is all about. Locally owned and operated by Tom Fowler, Shankles is committed to finding the health care products and services that you need. Being local, Tom and the pharmacists and staff at Shankles really get to know you and your family. West Long Avenue, Dubois, and ShanklesPharmacy.com. Caring for you is what we do. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-298-5783-800-298-5783-800-298-5783-That's 800-298-5783. She didn't just visit the sick and poor. She moved in with them. It wasn't convenient and it wasn't pretty, but they needed help. Twelve more then joined this saint of the gutters. They were soon followed by over 4,000 other nuns who gave healing care in orphanages, AIDS hospices, and charity centers. Mother Teresa couldn't do it all, but she gave her all. Compassion is in you. Now pass it on from PassItOn.com. I'm Dan Kennard, and this is the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat. The PIAA Basketball Championships are getting underway on Friday, and there are a handful of District 9 teams from our area that are involved. Let's get a look at that in boys' action. Coming up Friday night in the Class A division, Dubois Central Catholics Cardinals will go up against Harmony of District 6. That game will be at 7 o'clock on Friday. The Cardinals advance following a 51-48 loss to Union in the semifinal round of the District 9 tournament last week, but then came back with a third-place finish by defeating Cameron County 50-47. to Also, the Elk County Catholic Crusaders, the winners of the District 9 title, will be facing Neighborhood Academy. That game also will be Friday night in the Class A division of the PIAA playoffs. The Crusaders claim the District 9 Class A title with a 50-35 victory over Union on Saturday. They advanced into that title game by knocking off Cameron County in last week's semis. The score of that one was 43-28. Checking out 4A boys, Clearfield still alive into the PIAA championships. And Clearfield will be facing Laurel Highlands Friday night at 7 o'clock. The Bison claim their fourth straight D9 4A championship by knocking off St. Mary's last weekend, 47-30. And in the 5A division, the Dubois Beavers get a game at uh, Penn Hills, and that is going to be at 7 o'clock also on Friday night. The Beavers notched a sub-regional semi 
semifinal win over Obama Academy last week, 44-37, but then fell in the sub-regional championship game against Cathedral Prep. The score of that one was 40-32. In games on Saturday, the Brookville Raiders, the AAA representatives from District 9, will be facing Seton LaSalle of District 7. That game will be at 5 o'clock Saturday afternoon. The Raiders have been on a sub-regional roll, including a 46-37 win over District 8's Perry Traditional Academy and a 50-39 triumph over District 5 champ Bedford last week. Now moving to girls basketball in the Class A division, it will be Dubois Central Catholic with a game against Jamestown. That will be played at Mercer High School 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. The Lady Cardinals claim the third place spot in District 9, beating North Clarion 64-44 last weekend. Elk County Catholic also still alive in the Class A division for girls basketball. The Lady Crusaders came up short 45-40 in the D9 championship game against Otto Eldred last weekend, but they will face Northern Bedford out of District 5 on Saturday at 2 p.m. And representing the 4A girls for District 9, Punxsutawney, the Lady Chucks are champs. They got there by beating St. Mary's 44-41 last week, and they will be facing Knock at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Now moving to wrestling. The PIAA Wrestling Championships begin in Hershey tomorrow morning. There will be 10 wrestlers representing AA schools from District 9. St. Mary's has four wrestlers at States. Brockway sends two, and there will be two wrestlers each from Brookville and Clearfield. For St. Mary's, Aiden Bimel will compete at 114 pounds, Ben Reynolds at 139 pounds, Jaden Weller at 145, and Waylon Weller at 160. 72. Brockway Rovers wrestlers at states include Weston Pisarchik at 114 and Gavin Thompson. For Brookville, it will be Cole Householder at 127 and Jackson Zimmerman at 189. The Clearfield qualifiers for the state tournament are Brady Collins at 139 and Carter Chamberlain at 189 pounds. And there are three AAA division school wrestlers representing Dubois and Punxsutawney at the PIAA championships. Brendan Orr of Dubois will compete in the 133-pound weight class, and the Beavers' Zach Gallagher wrestles at 285. The lone representative for Punxsutawney is Dyson Gold at 114 pounds. The District 9 swimming team titles were swept by the Clearfield Boys and Girls in St. Mary's last weekend. Clearfield Girls were followed in the team standings by Brookville at number two and St. Mary's in third place. The Clearfield Boys were trailed by Dubois in second place, Brookville in fourth, and St. Mary's in fifth. Patrick Young, who is a student at North Clarion but swims for Brookville, broke a 100-meter butterfly record. Young finished with a time of 51.74. It broke a pole record set four years ago and a District 9 meet record set 16 years ago. Qualifying District 9 swimmers will participate in the PIAA championships, which begin March 15th at Bucknell University. And that is the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing.
All right, we're back here with Under Review Sports Talk, and uh, this is Dave Glass, and I'm going to lead this segment because we're going to talk about officiating a little bit. This is something I've wanted to talk about on the air. In fact, since the very first time Bob talked to me about having this show, I wanted to talk about officiating uh, because we have a major problem, and I think it's a cultural problem, and it starts at the local level and works its way the whole way up through the Super Bowl when everybody was complaining about that call at the end of the game, and that's kind of what the, the impetus was to, to talk about this. And we're not going to just talk about this this week. This is going to be kind of a recurring theme. But for today, I, I want to give you a little background. I've been doing officiating of one sport or another for 33 years. Um, I've seen a lot of things. I haven't seen everything, but I've seen a lot of things. And some of it I saw when I was officiating when Bob was uh, playing hockey in Reynoldsville or Brockway. And so he can speak to this too. He, he's an official for hockey as well. But the thing I see is this culture where it's okay to abuse officials. And I'm, all, I'm, I'm sort of okay with that at the professional level, although not really, and we'll get to that. I'm really not okay with it at all at the local level because the fact of the matter is, boys, we cannot get young people into officiating. As soon as they start, some idiot coach or parent comes out and gives them a hard time. It's like if your kid starts playing baseball and they don't know what they're doing, the idea is that they're playing to learn, right? And you don't come out and scream at your kid when he's nine years old and he goes over four. You coach him up. You, you encourage him. You talk to him about the mistakes he made and you make it and you help him get better. The same 15-year-old kid who's umpiring that game gets screamed off the field, even though it's his first game too. And I, I just have a real problem with that because then nine times out of 10, eventually the kid's like, well, I can go make more money than this, you know, Wendy's or McDonald's and get a whole lot less grief for it. And now you end up with a situation like we have in local PIAA where in softball, I think the average age is something like 58, 59, 60. I know we have a couple umpires over the age of 80 and, you know, you know, God bless them. I'm, I'm happy that they're still able to do it and they're good umpires, but you know, you're not getting another 20 years out of those guys. So, what can we do to change the culture that it's okay to abuse these people for making a mistake? Not, it's not intentional. It's not like they're, you know, nobody, I don't know a single official who goes out there on the field and has it in their mind, I'm going to make this team win today. That doesn't happen. Mistakes happen. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I mean, 30% of officials I see have left since the pandemic. They haven't come back. And like you guys said, they're, they're older to begin with. We can't get the younger people in there. Um, you know, it just comes back to sportsmanship. You know, the coaches have to remind their players before the game, you know, what the purpose of playing is. We're here to be good sports. If you don't like a, a call, you just play. That's Mike Sullivan's mantra, just play. And I think maybe a quick public service announcement prior to games you know, wouldn't, wouldn't hurt either just to remind the fans too. Well, and at the high school level, they do do that. And, 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 and I'm, we don't have some of the problems we have elsewhere. One of the nice things in, we just saw last night in softball, we saw the statistics. We didn't have a single ejection in district nine last year. And that's a credit to our local fans, coaches, uh, and players. But throughout the state, there were dozens of them. And I think three or four JV coaches got supplemental dis discipline, which means they got so far beyond the pale that, you know, they, they physically assaulted an official or they just wouldn't stop or wouldn't leave when they got ejected. And, and I've seen this in, in, and I've seen it. I saw it a lot in football where people just get so worked up and they just can't let it go. And I do think part of it is just this culture that, 
you know, even going back a hundred years, you'd see, oh, kill the ump, you know, when he made a bad call. And it, we have to get past that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with holding officials accountable, but that has to be a league thing. That can't be an individual coach or an individual player thing. I mean, if somebody misses one call, we have to understand that it's human beings involved in this. And, and in a lot of ways, and I, we don't have time to get into this today, but replay has made this worse at the pro level because it's really undercut the ability of the official to really know what they're going to call. Yeah, Bob, I know you'd mentioned sportsmanship. I've, I've coached youth sports for a number of years. We all played sports, you know, all growing up. A lot of times the coaches are worse than anybody. Um, I've seen coaches for Little League. I've seen coaches in travel baseball, youth football, absolutely lose their minds over a call made in the second quarter of a, of a midget football game or a, the third inning of a 15-2 to two minor league baseball game. Those are the worst. <laughs> and it's very disheartening when you see an adult who should be you know, the guidepost for the kids to look up to. He's the coach or she's the coach, and they're the ones showing that bad sportsmanship. I, I couldn't agree more. There, there's, there needs to be some sort of sea change in the thinking of how people handle officials, how they speak to officials, how they deal with officials. Um, my son plays travel baseball. I'd heard parents saying, well, you know, we pay, we pay a lot of money to be in these tournaments. We pay a lot of money for this team. These refs should, or, or, I'm sorry, these umpires should be better. Are you kidding me? You're paying for your child to have the opportunity to play on a team and to get better at baseball. You know, it, you sh these umps shouldn't be world-class Major League Baseball umps, which, by the way, they make mistakes all the time, too. And I want to point out something. You're paying money to be on these travel teams to improve your kids and make them not just better at baseball, but better competitors. You know what part of that is? Overcoming adversity. A missed call is adversity, and a good coach will tell you you have to overcome that. Yep. No matter where that adversity comes from, I, the best coaches I know, they wouldn't like a bad call, but they would say, okay, you know what? That's done with. You got to, how do we move past it? How do we get better? How do we learn from that? He's calling a strike zone that's three inches outside. Well, we have to adjust to that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. We, the one thing they've talked about is having a, uh, you know, a strike zone, a set strike zone for a robotic strike zone or what have you. I don't know if that even solves the problem because then you're going to have people complaining about the rules of that. You're going to, I mean, you're going to have people gaming that. It, there's so many different variables, but it, what it really boils down to, at least in my opinion, is these these referees are doing a job. And to your point, Dave, they don't care who wins, especially at a youth level. They're just trying their best and they're trying to make the appropriate call for whatever sport they're officiating. A hundred percent. And we're running out of time in the segment. And this is why I said, we're going to have to come back to this. There's so much more we can talk about it at the NFL level, at the NMLB level. You brought up the automated strike zone. That's a whole Pandora's box of its own that we're going to see in the majors sooner or later, so we might as well talk about it. Um, but I do want to leave this on a positive note, and that is seven years ago when I coached uh, ten and nine and ten year old baseball, we had eight teams. Four out of the eight coaches, head coaches, got a suspension that year for either you know bad language or abusive official. I mean that that was an embarrassment. And last year here in the local little league, they they've enacted zero tolerance and they've really worked to change that culture locally. And that's a credit to Scott Frano and the other guys who, who've really worked on that. And I didn't see any of that last year. So it can be done. 
it can be done, but it takes a concerted effort and the backing of the league and the coaches and the parents and everybody involved to support those younger umps who come in. And we all have to remember, we are the adults, the coaches, the fans, we're the example for the kids and we have to show it ourselves so the kids see it. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's great. It's a great point, Bob, because if, if whatever behavior you, you model, those kids are going to follow it. Absolutely. All right, we're going to be back here with our Upon Further Review segment. It's one of our favorites of the week. Stay with us here on Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. I'm Lou Jordan, Connect FM News. Here's what's happening. A mistrial was declared this week against a Clearfield County man accused of soliciting child pornography. But Judge Paul Cherry says jury selection for a new trial will take place soon. According to court documents, 39-year-old Reed Meeker Jr. of Osceola Mills faces felony charges for sending inappropriate messages and requesting sexually explicit photos from whom he believed were two young girls. Maker was declared a sexually violent predator in 2005, and he faced a mandatory sentence of 25 years if he is convicted of the current charges against him. And the average per gallon price of gasoline in western Pennsylvania remained steady in the past week. Gas Buddy survey shows the average price is at $3.59 a gallon. I'm Lou Jordan, Connect FM News. I saw my doctor the other day, and he ordered a ton of tests and blood work. You should go to True Choice Diagnostics. True Choice is our community lab. It was opened over two years ago to give us a choice on where we get our blood work. But do they take my insurance? True Choice takes all insurances. They're super fast and convenient. No lines, and parking is right next to the door. Uh, but I'm a difficult blood draw. They have gentle phlebotomists with years of experience. Where is it? True Choice is on Midway Drive in Dubois, right next to Walmart. True Choice Diagnostics is our community lab you always have a choice make it true choice here's your connect fm tri-county forecast lows level off around 22 tonight under overcast skies northwesterly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour mainly sunny skies and calm tomorrow highs level off around 44 cloudy skies expected tomorrow night lows level off around 25 one to three inches of snow friday through friday night that's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 42. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. I love this segment, guys, because we can surprise each other a little bit. We can figure out what topics are relevant. And my topic this week for Upon Further Review is the TPC, the Players' Championship at Sawgrass in Florida. It's been dubbed the fifth major. I don't know if you guys saw the pot. $25 million purse up for grabs this weekend. The winner will get a record $4.5 million. But in order to collect that purse, they've got to navigate one of the toughest tee shots in all of golf, number 17, the Island Green. It's only 137 yards, this par three, but it's a 24-yard wide green. Uh, very little margin for error. Might be the most nerve-wracking swing PGA Tour players will make all year. So last year, I was looking at the numbers. The hole had an average of 3.265 scoring, which is above par. Uh, Brooks Kepka, one of the great golfers in the PGA, he actually hit his first two, um, well, he hit a ball in the, in the drink in the first round and the second round. 
He carded a double bogey, then a triple bogey. He called it the toughest tee shot. He said the second toughest tee shot in all of golf is the drop zone at number 17. (laughs) So let me ask you guys, do you think that this, from a fan's perspective, I think it's great. And I'd love to play that hole just once without all the spectators. But do you think it's the best hole in all of golf? No, I think it's one of the toughest holes. I think the stress level there, especially on you know Sunday when you're leading by one, is is really really high. And of course, the wind there. If the wind is up, it it can be anything. But that doesn't make it the best hole because I think the best hole has to have some risk reward to it. I mean, you and I both play a lot of golf, so I think of a hole like number thirteen at Augusta. I can think of some other you know short par fours where yeah, you can take a crack at the green and get rewarded with an eagle putt, or you miss by yay much, and now you're looking at putting a five on the card. I mean, this is one swing. If you make it, if you hit that green, you're getting a par. You're not probably three putting that green. So. Yeah, there's a lot of risk. It's it's great television. It's fantastic television, but I can't say it's the best hole in golf. I honestly don't know what either of you two are talking about. <laughs> I'm telling you this right now. You're both wrong. The best hole, hole in all of golf, no matter where you're playing, is the 19th hole. <laughs> Guys, they got beer there. They have snacks there. TPC at 17 doesn't have snacks. I mean, you can get some water, I guess, but that's all you're getting there. So the, the 19th hole for me is easily the best hole in all of golf. I don't even know how you can argue with that. All right. <laughs> well, one one thing I'll add to this, uh, it might be more mental than physical on that, on that swing. Uh, and you have to wait your entire round to get there. So Mark Kalkavecchia, former player, I guess he probably still plays, but he said it's like having a 3 o'clock appointment for a root canal. You know, it's, it's always, always on your mind, mind. Yep. the whole way through. You could be having the round of your life and you still have to play that hole. By the way, there's a prop bet. Uh, will anybody hit a hole in one there this weekend? I, I wagered no, which wasn't paying all that well. But you know what? I'll try. All right. <laughs> Dave Glass. All right. Well, uh, I, I saw a headline today. And so I went and looked up all the numbers that the Lakers have retired. And so there'd be a lot of names here that you recognize. And the Lakers are a, a storied franchise. So they've got Kobe, who's got two numbers retired, whatever. Magic, Mikan, Shaq, Wilt, Jerry West, James Worthy. I think those are household names. Most of them you'd say were all-time greats. But they did Paul Gasol. They just retired his number. And I also noticed they have Gail Goodrich, who I honestly had never heard of, and Jamal Wilkes, who I had. But my question to you is, is that too many? I think that I think you've, you've set the bar too low when you start um, retiring the jersey of Pau Gasol, who was a fine player. I'm not saying he was a bad player. He was a good player. But to me, you've only got 100 numbers that you can really use if you include the zero. And they've burned 10% of them and really only five or six, I think. I think you should retire the inner circle elite no-doubters. I mean, Magic, everybody knows, you know, that's an elite guy. Kobe's an elite guy. But I think you should have a team hall of fame for these other ones. Put anybody you want in that, but I'm not big. I think the Penguins do it right. They've got 66 up there. They're going to have 68, 87, and 71, and that's probably it. Yeah, you know, I was confused. I watched that game. By the way, there were a lot of empty seats there, and it was kind of amusing because they had the Gasol jerseys draped over the seats, so there were more jerseys seen than actual fans. John Morant didn't play last night, and the Lakers actually played very well last night. Um, AD actually said that he wants to be one of those guys that gets retired. AD is five times the player that Paul Gasol ever was, and if he continues to play the way he's playing now, he if he stays with the Lakers, his number will be retired. 
I agree with you. When you retire numbers for a franchise, especially one of the most storied franchises in all of sports, Paul Gasol should not be hanging from the rafters. It made no sense. And I don't mean that as any disrespect no. towards Paul Gasol. He is not Shaq or Magic or Kobe. No, not at all. He's not James Worthy, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, so when you go outside of crypto arena, I mean, you have Kareem statue, Magic statue, Wayne Gretzky statue. Um, you have Chick Hearn and then you have Shaq dunking. There's no Paul Gasol statue out there. So I think we retire too many jerseys we have i feel like we have too many people in the hall of fame honestly you know that's a whole other debate which we should have but we probably don't have time today yeah (laughs) it it should be reserved just for the best of the best and i don't think pal gasol is is one of the not at all well speaking of the best of the best guys i don't know if you guys happen to see this or not but the nfl players did a survey of the best and worst franchises as far as player treatment any number of different uh uh, things on the survey. Uh, where do you think our beloved Steelers ranked? Well, I cheated. I looked at the list. I didn't. I didn't. But we talked about it beforehand. So <laughs> I w- I'll say this: I would have guessed between ten and fifteen. Yeah, they ranked twenty-second. Well, and the five worst teams in the NFL: uh, number twenty-eight were the Jags. Twenty-nine, surprisingly, were the Chiefs. Which I, when I read this, I, was, I read that twice. But. And in the article that I read, the players actually said they didn't feel like they received adequate care and they feared retribution for speaking up from their training staff, which I found kind of startling to read. Uh, the Chargers at 30. The Chargers are always a mess. Their old their old stadium was a mess and they're just a mess now. Uh, the Cardinals, uh, the players have their meals deducted from their salary, which is absolutely crazy. And this was no surprise at all. At the bottom was the Washington Commanders. <laughs> they're just a tire fire of a franchise. Now, at number five, uh, were the Cowboys, four were the Texans, three were the Raiders, number two were the Dolphins, but number one, surprisingly, were the Minnesota Vikings. I wasn't expecting to hear that at all. But again, what, I don't know what you guys, if you were to just be somebody who was a casual NFL fan, would you ever expect the Minnesota Vikings to be the most favored place for players to play as, as it related to the survey? I certainly wouldn't have. Uh, I know I wouldn't want to play in the great Northwest there. No. Um, but it... Probably goes to show, and I'm not minimizing the survey because the players matter here and how they feel, but does it really matter in the end is to, in terms of winning? I mean, the Chiefs are almost at the bottom of the list and look at where they're at right now. So yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a selling point if you're one of the mediocre teams and you're trying to attract the big free agent. But all in all, I think it always comes down to how much you're going to pay. Oh, definitely. And and this list, I mean, and it, clearly these are the, the things that the players value behind, you know, kind of behind the scenes, the little extras. But it doesn't correlate to winning at all. You can look at that list. And I mean, you've got teams like the Cowboys and the Raiders and the Vikings. I mean, these are some of the most, uh, especially, especially in the last decade, the most historically inept in the playoffs. I mean, they all, you know, the Raiders never get there and Dallas finds a way to lose every time. So, yeah. I mean, I know Jerry Jones, he prides himself on being, you know, the biggest and the best. Most and, eccentric. And, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I don't know. I, the, the Kansas City thing surprised me the most out of all that because you would think that's a, a premier destination and maybe maybe it's not. Well, yeah, our, my friends and I call any Steelers talk stairway because we love bootleg Steelers shirts that say stairway to seven, which are the absolute best when you're outside of Heinz Field or Acrisure, whatever it is now, and you see those cheesy T-shirts. They're the absolute greatest. But stairway talk is the best talk. <laughs> um, the Steelers actually ranked 27th in the league for treatment of families and training room. 
Um, they said their food was actually not that great as well. They, they, they said they, the nutrition staff earned an A though, but they said there, there was only 60% of them felt there was enough room in the cafeteria. These, I mean, these are very odd things that I didn't really even know went on behind the scenes with the NFL Players you know, Association. I didn't even know this existed until this year. Well, they need to bring in the Permani brothers, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And that rating will go up. Yeah, yeah. Dessert from Oakmont Bakery. There you go. You'd be all set. All right. Well, we have one last segment, the Get Lost segment. So we hope you'll stay with us here on Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. TSA is hiring transportation security officers at Dubois Jefferson County Airport. These full and part-time positions start at $17.64 per hour and include excellent federal benefits, paid on-the-job training, weekend and holiday pay, a potential pay raise after six months, and a $1,000 sign-on bonus. Join a mission that matters and apply at jobs.tsa.gov slash TSO. That's jobs.tsa.gov slash TSO. Some conditions apply. U.S. citizenship required. So what seems to be troubling you? I'm suffering from severe anxiety. Chest pains, headaches, breathing problems. No, I'm afraid to drive over Country Road 12 with my bad tires. Ah, a case of rough road anxiety. You need to see a specialist. Who? Cooper Tire. Cooper Tire keeps you driving safely with alignments, inspections, suspensions, and undercar service. Defy that never-ending crater farm on Pennsylvania's roads with Cooper Tire. Now, tell me about your childhood. See the tire pros. Cooper Tire and Auto. Hammer Street, Dubois. What's more fun than a barrel full of monkeys? It's the Toasted Monkey Tavern. This is Mara. And I'm Angela from Clearfield's number one spot for wings and entertainment and so much more. Catch live music on the weekends and special events throughout the week. Follow the Toasted Monkey on Facebook and Instagram for upcoming entertainment and food specials. Join us monkeys here at a family-friendly, smoke-free restaurant with food and fun for all. The The Toasted Monkey Tavern in Hyde. (laughs) Could you be the person who gives a kid their forever family? Across Pennsylvania, kids in foster care are waiting for a family of their own. My name's Tori, and I want to be adopted because I want a home that I'll never leave, will care for me the right way, and just get that second chance at a new life. Meet the kids and learn how you can become a foster or adoptive parent. To learn more, visit AdoptPAKids.org. Paid for with Pennsylvania taxpayer dollars. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. All right, guys. Hey, it's almost time to get out of here and it's almost time to get lost. Uh, One of my favorite segments of the show is hashtag get lost. Uh, We're starting to get a lot of nice feedback from listeners out there. One listener, uh, Lenny Anderson, told me to say hashtag get lost dipping dots as a stadium food. He said they're the worst stadium food. And he said their shaved ice absolutely crushes dipping dots. So hashtag get lost dipping dots. And all I'll say to that, is he clearly doesn't have young children because young children love those things. I do not love them, but young kids do. Uh, my wife chimed in again. She said, get lost, Ron Hextall. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, she just stole my get lost. So I guess I have to say get lost summer. <laughs> well, and Matt Roush, my friend and colleague, he, he gave me a few. He said, get lost, flopping or faking injuries. Get lost, moral victories. And get lost, this is relevant, Treatment of Umpires by Parents. Ooh, that's topical. Somebody, that that's really good. I like that. I mean, seriously, the only one I had written down was Get Lost, uh, Hextall. And yes, I'm going to keep beating that horse until it's dead. 
because I, I think most of us are, are over the Hextall experience here in Pittsburgh. How about get lost offsides review in hockey? We've oh, got to talk brother. about that. I'm so tired of goals Horrible. getting overturned. Horrible. And, and by fractions of an inch. Oh, drives me nuts. And how about get lost all the timeouts in basketball in the final minute? Oh, Elam ending. Do you know what an Elam ending is in, in basketball? Yeah. This is something I want to talk yeah. about next week. That is the way basketball games should end. There's a whole different way to end a basketball game that is so much more fun and friendly. All right. Well, we got to get lost because Lou's telling me it's time to go. So thank you all for joining us. We'll catch you next week on Under Review Sports Talk Radio on Connect FM.